Recruitment Journeys is brought to you in partnership with Vincere, the all-in-one CRM for ambitious recruitment businesses. No matter what your recruitment journey is, whether it's contract, temp, exec search or perm, if you're looking for a new breed of tech partner to help accelerate growth, speak to Vincere. Visit vincere.io forward slash mint for an exclusive offer for all subscribers of this podcast. Welcome to series two of Recruitment Journeys. This is the podcast series where we speak to selected identities of the Australian recruitment industry about their chosen career paths and their own recruitment journeys in the hope to inform, inspire and motivate others in the recruitment industry. My name is Pete Watson from Mint R2R and we've been placing recruiters into the UK, the US and Australia since 2004. So if you're a recruiter and you're thinking about your next career chapter or your future recruitment journey, and you just want to hear how others did it before you, then please sit back and enjoy Recruitment Journeys. So three and a half years ago, Sean Anderson was trying to work out how to best see out his non-compete contractual agreements before launching his new business, Hoxo Recruitment. Sean had been a very high biller, billing upwards of £700,000 in his previous role. So there's no doubt that Hoxo recruitment would have been a huge success. However, during his non-compete period, he realised that very few recruitment businesses were producing authentic, targeted, innovative social media content. And Hoxo Media was born. In this podcast interview, Sean tells us his fascinating story of how he took a massive gamble to abandon his recruitment career and reinvent himself as a marketeer, having never previously produced one single piece of online content. Every forward-thinking recruiter needs to listen to this podcast interview. Hope you enjoy it. Sean Anderson from Hoxo Media. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm well, Pete. It's... uh... It's strange to be having the same chat, but on the other side of the table this week. I was going to say, you know, we all know that you're a podcast extraordinaire, but how many times have you been on this side of the uh, this side of the fence? I think about five, four right, or five. So, yeah, still, so you still yeah, see there's it. a novelty. There's a novelty to it. There's a novelty to it. Mate, this is the uh, this is the second time we've spoken today. I've, uh, we've already chatted uh, about an hour ago when I was uh, attending your. Oxo Media Academy. Yes, mate. Yeah. You. Uh, how did you find today's session? Not good. That was good. You obviously got us to do some uh, some homework and some market research and start speaking to our our target audience and then you know, trying to tie that into you know how we then speak to our market. So the penny is dropping. The penny is dropping, Sean. Yeah. Well, mate, well, thank that's you. what I'm trying to do, mate. I'm trying to drop a huge penny on top of the industry, which is yeah, the plan. You are. It dropped for me. A, it dropped for me a few years ago, and it's. Uh, I feel like there's been a. I've been on an education journey across the spe- the space for three years, and now, COVID has just accelerated everything. The, the 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 amount that people talk about marketing, think about marketing, engage with marketing is in three months has gone as I'd say has accelerated faster than the last three years. So. Yeah. I'm actually really excited about where we're all heading as a result of this. But um, the academy, yeah, the academy's been great. We'll talk about that, I'm sure. But we will. Um, there is there is a process to this stuff, and that's what I'm trying to show people like yourself. Yeah, and maybe we'll talk. We'll get we'll we'll get into it. We'll get into it now, mate. Just before we we went live, I've already given the listeners a a bit of a, an introduction into into who Sean Anderson is. For those who don't know you, would you mind, in your own words, uh, introducing yourself? Yes, yeah, sure. So. Um, I, I, of course, I'm Sean, the CEO of Hoxo Media. Um, so we're a, we're a marketing agency that help recruitment businesses win business online. So um, I uh, I started the business in three and a, just over three, just over three years ago. So March 2017, I launched the brand. Really, um, having been a recruiter for seven just under seven years, and uh, I'd never done a day in marketing. So I launched the marketing agency as a recruiter, which is just mental. Um, but now um, I'm, I've got two businesses. So I've got a marketing agency and I've got a recruitment business called Connects. 
um, and we are about 21 people globally. Mm. Um, majority of our um, our team were are in London, but we did we did hire remote people before lockdown, and that's uh, going to accelerate now. Just you know, it's going to be a different business. But yeah, we we work with recruitment companies all over the world. So I've got 50, I think got 57 live recruitment clients that we're managing their brand for in terms of agency, yeah. and now. At the, today, I've got 75 recruitment owners that I'm coaching to build personal brand, which includes you. So if, if people don't don't see an improvement in what you're doing in the next few months, yeah. then, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, it's going to come Mate, back on me now. I probably should have kept it to myself. <laughs> yeah, probably. Nah, you'll be fine. Well, thank you very much for being involved. Mate, this, this podcast right. is called uh, Recruitment Journeys. Um, and the, the title of this particular episode is The, the Recruiter Who Became a Marketeer. And mm. um, if you haven't heard one of these podcasts before, Sean, it's, yeah, as it says on the tin, it, uh, we, we delve into your recruitment journey. We, we speak to selected identities from the recruitment industry. We talk about their journey uh, in the hope to inspire and motivate others who might listen to what you've done with your career and say, look, I like what that guy did. It resonates. It inspires me. It motivates me or educates me. And yeah, um, yeah so you're, you, you are the guy. You are the recruiter who, who became a marketeer without any marketing experience, and we're gonna delve right into that. Now, my opening question is usually, how and why did you get into the crazy world of recruitment? But I'm gonna be a bit cheeky. I'm gonna steal the opening question that you've been using throughout your, your RAG podcast, which is, okay. you've been asking everybody what has their own personal lockdown experience been like? Yeah, so mate, your life right, right back at you. What's, what's your lockdown experience been like? Okay. Uh, it's been good. You know, it's been interesting. So I, I live in East London, a um, place called Hainault, which anyone, if you've heard of it, it's the, it's the last stop on the central line um, where eastbound, unless you go into Epping, which is further. Um, and I live at the tube stop. So I literally, you step outside the tube, my flat is like directly opposite. It's about, a, it's literally less than a hundred yards, right? Yeah. Um, the reason I'm saying that is because I felt like my life was on the tube into work and my, my office is in Bethnal Green in East London on the central line. So I just lived this like back and forward journey on the central line to my flat, to my office, to my flat, to my office. And the biggest change has been that, like I haven't done that. I've been once cause we got fucking burgled and I had to go and see the office space. But, um, so my lockdown journey has been like staying in one place, which I've, I've genuinely enjoyed. Um, I live with my wife and my, my little French bulldog. So we, uh, we've, been, we've been spending more time together. Um, she's bonded with the dog because I used to take him to the office, but I, I don't anymore. Obviously, he's at home and she takes him in the day while I'm working. Um, and as a business, we, we've had an interesting journey. So we, we, we closed the office a week before like everyone in the UK did because all of our team were on laptops. We use Zoom and we use Google Chat and all these things every day. So there was no, ne no necessity to go into the city. Um, and I was recording podcasts the week of the, like when I closed the office. And if you listen to a, a couple of my shows in, in that week, Ben Alexander was the last episode I recorded in, in, the, in, in the office. This was on the Wednesday, the day before I shut the office. And I still sound so naive. Like, I don't mm. get what's going on. I'm saying things like, you know, it'll, put, it'll come and go. It's not going to last, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so I didn't shut the office thinking it was a, I was actually saying goodbye to the office. I was like, you know, we'll just we'll give it a week, see what goes on. Yeah. Yeah, so what are we now? Nearly three months on, mad. and uh, I've got used to living like this. My, I've been exercising like mad. I don't know if you saw my post on Saturday about the seventy-five hard challenge that I completed. Yeah, so you've yeah. so done that. You finished that now, right? Finished it. I'm still living yeah. the same way because it, it's ingrained. But one of the things in lockdown, I realised in the first week, I, I had a quite. A, I was drinking like Guinness cans in the afternoon, which sounds ridiculous, but love I love a Guinness, and I was like. I found myself just have, I was so stressed with what was going on. I was, I was having a few beers and I was like, this ain't good for me. And then I looked ahead of me and I thought, this could be long term, this could be short term. But the one thing I can't afford as a business owner is to be having shit days. I just can't afford it mentally, mm. physically. So many people rely on me, both in my business and clients that I can't. So this 75 hour challenge I'd read about, I'd actually listened to a podcast about a year before. I was like, there's no excuse now. And a mate of mine had just done it. I was like, you know, there's always a wedding, there's always a party, there's always a reason why I, I wouldn't commit 75 days to not drinking alcohol, to training twice a day, to eating no cheap meals. Anyway, I said I was going to do it and I've done it. And that has been the one thing in lockdown that I've enjoyed. I've had this routine where I've woke up early, 
I've read 10 pages of a business book. I've drank a gallon of water a day. I've exercised twice. I've had no shit food. I've not drank alcohol. I've just been like a bloody Buddhist monk for 75 days. But coming out of it, I feel so much better. The business is in decent shape. And uh, we've achieved a lot of stuff that I don't think I would have had I not locked myself in that way. Oh, mate, it's a unique opportunity just to, just to focus and crystallize and, and find time and find space to, to look at things that you simply would not have had a chance to. It's, yeah. um, there are so many silver linings from COVID-19, so many. And uh, somebody will write a book about it one day. All right, mate, cool. All right, well, we're going to come back to all of that. But um, getting back into the recruitment journey, how yeah. and why did you get into the crazy world, the crazy industry known as the recruitment industry? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because we're miles away now from each other, but it was where you are that got me into recruitment. So yeah. I, I, I was a school, I left uni, I did a sports degree in, in, uh, in Sheffield and uh, I got a job in sales. I was knocking on doors straight after uni for six months and uh, I was selling charities door to door in like Doncaster, Sheffield, Rotherham and Barnsley. And I was basically Bonners. walking around council, basically walking around council estates getting chased by dogs for a living. <laughs> but I did, I did well. And, uh, you know, it's a hundred percent commission. I did really well, but after six months, I just hated it. I hated walking down the street in the pissing rain. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't like the way it was like commission only. It's a bit of a pyramid scheme. And my business partner today, I'm my best mate. He was, he was going into schools doing supply teaching. Anyway, I got, I, I followed him. I became a teacher, I became a P teacher. And I did three years in, in, in Sheffield as a P teacher post uni. And then, we hit like at 24 years old, me and Emma, I'm a best mate. And we were like, my other best mate, James, we were like, we need to get out of here and just do something with life. Like I, I felt too young to be a teacher really. Cause I, I, you know, I was closer in age to the kids than a lot of this staff. Mm. And I was like, this is a bit weird. So we went traveling, did Asia, landed in Melbourne with the plan of traveling the East coast and doing what the classic backpackers do. But I don't know. I, in Sheffield, I quite liked my life of working, partying at the weekend, had a bit of money in my pocket. I wasn't, didn't have a lot, but you know, I had a routine and in Asia, I really missed routine. Like I struggled with, there's only so many sunsets you can enjoy before and with no money coming in and it pissed me off. And I got to Melbourne and within a week I realized I didn't want to backpack. And I told you on my podcast that yeah. in, in Melbourne, I was shocked by the prices. I, I remember going to the hostel on the first day and I spent like a hundred dollars on a, on a towel, a padlock, my route. Some, what would, I, what would I, I would have spent for a week in Asia? I spent in an hour in Melbourne. I was like, this ain't going to fly. So a mate of mine, I got a load of shitty jobs. I was a barista. I was ripping up carpets at Avalon Airport. I was doing all these horrible jobs. And then my mate got a job at Randstad in Melbourne. And he, he spoke to a rector, a guy called Gary Grayneth. I don't know if you know him. He used to, I think uh, he's gone back into Yeah, into yeah I remember Gary. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So story with Gary, if he's listening, he might, he might remember this, but he probably won't. But uh, anyway, my mate James got a job at Randstad and I was like, what is recruitment? And he told me, and I was like, sounds wicked. And then we met a lot of lads in a bar one night that were all in, we were just drinking. They were in like suits. They just looked like they had more money and more fun than we did. So we got chatting. They were all English, Irish, Scottish, like a joke. And they were all in recruitment. So I was like, right, James is in recruitment. They're in recruitment. So me, my brother and my best mate started BDing ourselves into recruitment companies. So I was ringing recruitment companies all day in Melbourne, just asking if I could go and interview for them. And I was getting knocked back. So I went to the rectorate that got James, Gary Grainer for job. And I went in and he said to me, uh, you know, he interviewed me and I, I didn't understand the difference between blue collar and white collar. Yeah. I didn't know. Like, I just, I, I was a fucking teacher. Like, no one had taught me that stuff. Yeah. I didn't do a business degree. I didn't have a clue, but I could talk and I was confident. I didn't dress very well. I remember I had a bit of a scrubby beard and I had like this shit like blazer jacket and shirt that I'd thrown together. I was living in a fucking hostel. I mean, what did I have? And uh, anyway, I, I remember the question that Gary asked me, he said, do you want to work in blue collar or white collar? And I thought blue chip companies must have meant yeah. blue collar yeah. like that. So I was like, oh, blue collar, of course. Like, I want to be at the top, blah, blah, blah. And he must have gone, this guy's an idiot. So, <laughs> so he emails me going, uh, I'm going to represent you. Week goes by, you heard nothing. Classic first experience with a recruiter, phoned him up. Anyway, I got an email off him saying, Randstad no longer take overseas candidates at the moment, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, fuck's sake. Anyway, Randstad were advertising. So I, I applied directly and I got a job. So I went through that process and got a job in the IT division. And then uh, the funny thing with this guy, Gary, didn't remember me and phoned me within a week of working at Randstad. No, and headhunted Yeah. You. 
Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> I, think, I said to him, I said, are you joking? He goes, what? I said, I met you about a month ago and you told me Ransad weren't looking for overseas candidates. Anyway, he didn't remember me. So I emailed him his own email back and I left my signature on it. So I was like, Ransad no longer take overseas candidates by Sean Anderson at Ransad. And uh, yeah, I didn't speak to him again. So hang on, um, hang on, hang on. There's, there's, two, there's two things wrong with that story. First of all, he didn't remember you. Secondly, yeah. he's essentially, so he was representing Randstad a few weeks prior. And then- But he, he, obviously, was, he, obviously, never, he obviously never sent me. Because if he yeah, did, I wouldn't- yeah, But a few I, weeks he later, he's, he's trying to pull you out. Yeah, I, don't, I didn't get it. I was, yeah, at the time, yeah. I didn't understand the jet. Anyway, so I did, I did a year and a half in Melbourne. Um, for, I was in the IT division. And then I got put into this Victorian government team that we they won. Randstad won the, the, the Victorian government contract. I think some like Hudson or something were kicked off. So Randstad won the tender. And they built this, they built this team um, of basically Brits that were on visa yeah. that they could go out and work without any commission. I was on no commission structure. It's, it's mental to think about. I had no commission structure at the time. So they were like, it's a new team. I was doing IT. We had this, it was about an eight or nine of us doing technology, business support, finance, all in a team. And we, we were given this long list of Victorian government state departments and mm. emails and names, but no one knew us. And we, everyone already had signed terms with Randstad. So it was like 7% or something. It was really low level. But they were like, go out and win business. So I didn't know. But in, looking back, it was the best training I could have ever had because I basically phoned up every government department I could get hold of, told them I'd just won the tender. Could I go and meet them for a coffee? Yeah. So most, so I got loads of meetings and I got up to like 28 contractors in, inside a year, but I had no money on it, like any money on it. And I think I got like a thousand dollar bonus once. And I was like, but because the, the margins were so low and they were, they, kept, they just kept telling us they were creating this, this commission structure. I, I was all right, to be honest, for a while. But then my little brother was working for a company called Sirius in Melbourne, Sirius Technology. Yeah, um, I know Sirius. Yeah. yeah, a guy called Tay Eifer probably worked for. Yeah. And Jake was working hard. He was in like, there was four of them in an office. I was working on a 300-man floor in Randstad thinking I was the man. And my little brother was working like longer hours, doing no deals, being beasted. Anyway, Jake had a month where he earned $20,000 commission. And I was like... What the fuck? I've been I've been working. I'm doing. I've got 28 runners out, and you've just done four deals or something, and got 20 grand. I was like, anyway, that really affected me. I was like, I'm in the wrong place. So I had a decision to make at that point: Do I want to move again in Melbourne, or do I want to come back to the UK? And everyone in Australia told me that you know the UK was like the Premier League of recruitment. It's where you know they'd all moved out there because it was so competitive. So. I told you on my show, I wasn't actually in love with Australia. I was like, I'm having a good time, but. I definitely felt like London was more exciting than Melbourne in my head. I'd never even, I think I've been to London twice in my life. So um, I moved to London in the Olympics 2012 and I joined a company called Venquist who were about seven or eight people at the time. I joined a lady called Claire Eads who hired me. Um, Barnaby and Steve, the owners, Barn Barnaby works with, he's in the academy now, which is crazy. Why did you join Venquist? Presumably you had other options. Why, why did you yeah. select I used another rector, a guy called Steve O'Neill, who was in, based in Reading. So the, I had a girlfriend at the time in, who I'd met in Asia. We'd spoken. She was living in England. Another reason why I came back. She put me in touch with him. He got me three interviews uh, with Venquist, Nigel Frank International, and GCS. Mm. And again, David Bloxham, who interviewed me then, is a guy I know really well, and I was on my show. Um, but anyway, at the time... I looked at all these, and anyway, I whittled it down to three. I had telephone interviews from Melbourne, liked them all, went to London, met them all. I think there's, the reason I joined Venquist was I was really impressed with Claire, who hired me. Like She was just incredible. Like The, the, the knowledge, the stature, the way she went about it, um, the, way she, the way she ran the process. I was quite in, it was quite intense, and at first it put me off, but then it realized, I was like, she's learned everything about me. Like she's got under the bonnet much deeper than the others. And I was like, if I'm going to learn from anyone, it's going to be her. And then the next thing was at the time, Nigel Frank were recruiting across the globe. So it was all phone based in the office. Mm. She was like, she was like, well, we meet everyone in the city. It was insurance recruitment in Lloyds of London. And, and in Melbourne, all I'd done was walk around coffee shops all day. So mm. I was like, well, that's going to be even more similar to what I did in Melbourne. So I joined them and it was a great decision. It was a, 
had amazing. I mean, the first few months was really hard. Fucking work really hard. Like moving to London, having no money, living in Clapham, which is the most tempting place. It's like, it's like Magaluf or something. It's like got the highest rate of 25 to 35 year olds in a square mile in Europe. Yeah. And, and I've got no money. I'm on a pretty crap basic salary. My flat's more expensive than it was in Melbourne. My mates are wanting to drink. Like more, I've got loads of mates that I knew from uni and stuff around. Like temptation was crazy. And uh, so I got, got about six months. I remember I did about four to five months in London. And I'd not, I joined in January, sorry, in September. And I did my first deal in November. And I didn't do another one till January. So... And I know I came in with a bit of a, they thought I was going to be like, this guy got 28 runners in Melbourne, coming back, he's confident. They definitely had an expectation I was going to be good. Yeah. And people in the office did as well. There was only a few in the office, but I know they were like looking at me like, he's good. this guy's coming in with a status, he's got to be good. But when I didn't do a deal, I did one deal in four months, five months. I remember there was a bit of a, probably a bit of a murmur around the office. Is he, is he actually any good or did he just chat? And I felt it as well. I was probably doubting. I was really doubting myself that Christmas. I remember it. Um, what was the problem? Anyway. Why, 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 why weren't you doing deals? Uh, just general market knowledge. Like I was just, it, you know, Lloyds of London Insurance is a square mile. It's super competitive. There's like 20, sorry, 200 companies that fit underwriters and brokers that they, they do specialty insurance for things like, you know, aviation marine they'll they'll, they'll 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 insure beckham's feet and things that are just bespoke and yeah the, although the roles i recruited in australia were similar like business analyst project manager understanding the nuances of the market understanding the technologies it took time and, and it's a really people-driven market so you know you'd ring a contractor and they'd, they'd, they'd be like oh i'm not sure about that and then they'd phone the recruiter they knew and liked and say i've just been called about this job can you represent me and I'd lose out to people because I was new and yeah. I didn't realize. But um, anyway, so it just took, it just, just by default took a bit of time. And I was a bit, I was still settling into England and London. And then I broke up with that girl. And, you know, you forget that about people. They've got lives outside of fucking mm. recruitment that, that affect them. And I, I also, as well, the reason, I, the reason when I moved to Australia, I didn't become a teacher was because I couldn't. My qualification wasn't valid. So it was only the way I qualified as a teacher was only valid in the UK. It's called a GTP at the time. And the PGC yeah. is the traditional route. So Australia didn't recognize it. So I didn't have an option to be a teacher in Australia. So being a recruiter was kind of, I used to tell girls on a night out in Australia that I was a, I was a teacher that worked in recruitment. <laughs> if they asked me what you did, I'd be like, it, I'm a school teacher, but I work in recruitment. Is that because you thought there was more uh, credibility to being a teacher or you were embarrassed? Yeah, and I also thought and probably, and also, I didn't see myself doing it that long. I was like, I'm doing it because I'm in Australia. Like, yeah, I'm a teacher. Okay. That's what I, call I qualify to be a fucking teacher, right? Yeah. So when I moved to London, I really struggled with that because my, val my qualification was valid again. So I was like, but I knew if I wanted to get a P job, I would have had to move anywhere in the country where there was, it's the most high demand. Um, there's so many P graduates and not many jobs. So I was like, I could move to Wales or Scotland or anything. Like one of my mates had to move to like, banger to get a job and I was like I want to live in central London so anyway I really struggled with that but then I got over that and then in the in the new year things just turned for me so this was January 2013 I remember breaking up with that girl and then everything just changed so that as the weather turned in 2013 all the stuff I'd been doing started to come through and I started doing deals and I started doing more deals and I got to about 20 contractors with an average margin of two grand a month. So I was billing what 40 K a month from in about September of mm -hmm. that year. Right. So in 12 months from zero, I was banging in like equivalent of a 400 K a year biller. And I obviously hadn't seen a lot of that money because it's with contract commission. You, you drip yeah. fed it as it's, but you're building. I, I used to sit there on the underground going back from meetings going, if I do this deal on my doing my calculations, I'm going to earn, four grand commission this month. I was like, fucking hell. Yeah. And it got me so excited. So I just started knocking in deals for fun. I started really understanding it. I was out and about all the time and, and uh, me and Claire had an amazing relationship. And it was, it, I remember that was just like such a good point in my career. Um, and then they, then the business obviously identified that, you know, we need to hire now. We need, this guy needs to have a team. And yeah. I was 27. I was, I was perfect to be a leader. But I struggled with that because I, in my head, I was like, do, I, do they want to do that for me or for them? Like, mm -hmm. I'm just about to earn good money now. I'm just about to earn really good money. Like, is it for them or for me? 
Um, but anyway, I started managing and doing team leader work and supporting people. Um, and then in my, I remember in the third year, I earned 200,000 in London and it was incredible. I remember getting a paycheck of over 28 grand and I had to send it to my family and be like, look, my parents didn't earn that in a year. And I was like, I just earned that in a month. And my, my family was just gobsmacked. You, sorry, you, you, you gave that money to your parents, to your family? No, no. I, no, I sent the paycheck to show them what I'd earned. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I wish I did. I'm not that guy, that nice guy. Um, what I did, I paid for them to go to India for five months to travel um, off the back of that. But yeah. I just couldn't get my head around what I'd achieved. And I was like, you know, billing 700 grand on your own, it's big and you earn a lot. And then that was the turning point where I was, I was looking at building a... I, was, I didn't know what to do, but I thought I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to build a business now. I've got to, I've got to do this. Like I'm excited by the next phase will be that. And then they, the, the team, they asked me to be a manager. And, I, and again, I struggled again because I was like, right, my commission was changing and I was going to go from about 200K to 100K earner. And that's a big drop. But I was like, if I'm going to build an agency in the future, I really need to learn management. I need to be a manager. I need to understand how to get the best out of people and yeah. not just be the superhero team leader that I'd become. Yeah. So I did it and uh, we did that for a year or so, about a year and a half. Um, and that's when, after I bought my property in January, in December 15, going into 2016 was definitely going to be my final year. So I knew that 2016, I'd emptied my bank account in a deposit for a house in London. I was like, right, it's all about saving, learning. 2017, I'm going to launch my recruitment company, which was going to be, which was named Hoxo. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So, so, so back up. So, so you've, you've got a, you've got a real taste for success. You've completely abandoned education as a career. Um, totally yeah. it's gone. You're, you're still working with Amit, your business partner. He joined, he joined. Right, no, so, well. so, so, so yeah. So what happened was in 2014, so in September, 2014, so two years in, in the first, so Amma was an education recruiter. So we both, we got the same background. He was, a, he was a teacher. He did primary school and I did PE. He moved to Australia with me. He got a job at Randstad in the education division. Yeah. And then I got in the IT division. Then when we moved to London, he joined a company called ANZ UK, which had a Melbourne office and a London office. So he became their top guy at ANZ. So I was doing Venquist and he was doing ANZ. And in the first year of Venquist and ANZ, he earned way more money because education recruitment is quite an engine. It's a staffing engine, right? Yeah, and he was... Yeah. He was knocking in deals for fun. He was like, they were a small business. He was, whereas I took a while to earn the commission. But then when my money started coming through, he was just watching my commission go through the roof and his was plateauing. So in 2015, I blew his in income out of the water and we're best mates. We live together. Mm. And we were like, look, if we're going to do this together, how are we going to do it? So we were like, you can't have a recruitment company as an education department and an IT business change department. It doesn't work. So one of us is going to have to learn what, and it, the, the logical thing would have been, you know, I knew to education, I'm a teacher background. Well, let's both do that. Yeah. But I'm the one earning more money. So surely the market I'm in is more profitable, more, more exciting. So anyway, I, I, I introduced him to my bosses and, and he got a job at Venquist and became the head of a new division, the retail division. Right. Um, which, so 2014. So yeah, so he had about two years of learning before okay. we, launched, we were about to launch. So at what point did you, you're obviously best mates, um, and you're on this, 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 this journey together, at what point did one of you broach the other one and say, look, we are onto a good thing. Clearly, we're both good at this. Um, let's go and do it ourselves. Let's, let's, chase, let's chase that pot of gold. Who, who was driving it and who was dragging uh, the party? You know what? It was, it was, it, to tell you the truth, it's, it was quite a sad story. So on November the 11th, 2014, so Amr joined in September. So I remember he was two months in. Yeah. Um, He's, he got a call at about 6 p.m. So I, I, was, I was training one of my team in the corner of the room and Amma got a call and he turned and looked at me. And I mean, Amma's Indian, right? And his face yeah. was white. Yeah. And he looked at me and he walked out the office. So I was like, fuck's sake, what's going on? Anyway, I'm getting a bit emotional saying it, but his dad passed away that day right. in an accident. His dad, his dad, his dad um, was a cab driver and, and the cab, he basically parked it outside his house and left the handbrake off. And then it, it was going into a main road. So his dad chased the car, got trapped underneath it. Anyway, he gets a call at seven o'clock at night, pissing rain, November, dark, telling him his dad's just passed away. And we were both like, what the fuck? Like, how, what do you do? So anyway, he runs off as you do. And I go back to the flat with my other housemate and 
oh mate, I was blown away by it. Like it was the worst thing that that we went through. And then after that day, we both once the dust settled, we were like, we've got to do this. Like we've got to do something together now. Like life's so short, you know. Yeah. Um, and working for someone else's empire, we can only do that for so long. So. Bloody hell, it gets me going thinking about it. that was a horrible moment, but that, that day was, it, and, and do you know what? The, the thing about me and Amma is unique that it wasn't one driving the other. No. It, it was in proper mutual looking in each other's eyes going, right, let's do it. So the funny side of the story though, where I'm not as emotional, <laughs> he probably more emotional, was the day I told him, let's do something different. Because <laughs> we, we then spent two years planning a recruitment company in 2015, 2016. We came up with the name Hoxo. Yeah. Um, we had everything done. Like we'd even bought bullhorn. Like we had fucking everything ready. Right. Um, and I, I was going on this journey where I'd, I'd been in recruitment in that market longer. All right. So I'd done four, five years. He'd done two. Yeah. So I, I kind of was a bit older in the tooth. I'd had more time management. I'd, I'd had less time on the phone to candidates and clients in the last year than he had. So he was like billing, doing deals. I was doing deals through people, but really just looking at the strategic side of it in the last year. And uh, I, I started to, when we looked at our restrictive covenant contract, it was really clear that we, I was fucked basically because my, my market is, is, is a square mile and I knew everyone. Like I genuinely knew everyone. I was like, how do I make money in six months when I can't ring anyone? It's, my contract was candidates or clients. You've interacted with them. Like, and you know what? Yeah. My bosses have been so good to me. Like, they've been brilliant. I wasn't leaving due to any negativity. So I was like, last thing I want is to burn a bridge and they come after me with a contract. So I was like, I'd had this brainwave that when I watched content online, I'd seen people producing, um, I'd seen people producing video content on YouTube and Instagram. I was like, what if I did that? And Amma was like, what? I was like, what if for six months, you know, I'm just going to talk to the insurance market on LinkedIn about recruitment, about the market, about what I'm doing, about Hoxo, and just try and get views all the time. And he was like, what are you talking about? I was like, well, look, I can't ring anyone, but my contract doesn't say I can't produce content that they watch. It doesn't say anything about that. So I could still have my face every day in front of these people, but not have to ring them and not break any rules. And he was like, so, so sorry, sorry to interrupt. So as a, as a recruiter at Venquist, you'd never done a single piece of content? Not a thing. Never. Nothing. Okay. I think I was featured in, the, in their employee brand video once. Um, right. Yeah, no, nothing, mate. No, no history. Wasn't even like, you know, a guy on the weekend who was Instagram storying myself. I, I had none of that. But I fancied I could do it. I, yeah. I did enjoy watching stuff on YouTube and Instagram. And I started researching marketing, I started looking into it. And I, was, I found myself getting quite obsessed with it. I was reading a lot. I was watching a lot. Yeah. And then I went, then I said to Amma, right, we're going to build a business on brand. Our agency is going to be like the most dynamic, forward-thinking recruitment company in the market. Let's go and find a marketing agency to help us. Yeah. Let's go find a business that can do it. Um, so we spoke to a few and they, they really just didn't get recruitment whatsoever. And they were really underwhelming. The ones that did know recruitment, again, were flat. And I just didn't. I was like, so I found a mate who was working in marketing in Manchester that I grew up with, who, who, who said he'd love to help. So we were like, right, you can help us. And he was going freelance at the time. He wanted to do some freelance work. So we're like, cool, you help Hoxo. Um, and uh, then what happened was I spoke to a few recruitment owners I knew about what I was doing just to get a bit of insight. And they were like, we'll buy that. And I was like, buy what? And they were like, whatever you're going to do for yourself, we'll buy it if it works. And I was like, okay, well, I can't tell you it's going to work yet, but I think it will. Um, anyway, the more I spoke to them, actually, I managed to secure about four or five contracts before I even started. So they were paying me two grand a month. So I was earning about 10,000 a month from month one before even starting this out. So we were like, there's something in this. So we called, we were going to have Hoxo, the recruitment company and Hoxo Media, the marketing agency that was going to help non-competing brands do what I did. Yeah. Anyway, we said, when we signed these new contracts, we said, well, why don't we hold off on the recruitment brand for six months? Because, you know, we, we'll burn the covenant away that way. We'll focus yeah. on this. We'll give it everything we've got. If it doesn't work, fuck it. We know we can earn money in that market. And if it does, then we've got two businesses. And we never launched the recruitment company because we were so big. Like, we, we just went for it and we loved it. And, you know, we, we didn't know what we were doing. Um, we had no idea at the time. Mark did, the marketer, he had a good idea, but 
Um, what did you? What did, is, what, did, what did the the people around you who had seen you be so successful as recruiters, like you, you know your loved ones, your family and friends? What did what did they say when you said actually we've, we've abandoned the idea of becoming of being a recruitment business, which we were actually very good at, and we're going to go and do this thing called inbound marketing, which nobody does. I think at the at first they didn't believe it, like my, especially my bosses. When I told the bosses what we're doing, they were like, "Nah, like you're lying. You're just going to come out and you know do, you're going to be a competitor." And I was like, "I don't think we are. Like, that's not the plan now." Um, and then when I told my family. I don't know, my mum's one of them. She's like, you know, whatever makes you happy, son, that kind of attitude. She doesn't get involved. She doesn't really need to know the detail. My, uh, my, old, my younger brother was a recruitment owner at the time in, in Sydney. So he launched a company called Sirius, uh, not Sirius, The Drive Group in Sydney, which he's sold and his stake. And now he's, he's got a marketing agency. Um, and he thought I was an idiot. He's like, what are you talking about? Like, this is nonsense. Um, and then I think it was more the reaction once I started producing content. So I had a load of video content I put out after about four weeks and all my old colleagues were just like laughing at it and just like yeah. messaging me. And there was pictures of me going around WhatsApp groups. I was called homo media in WhatsApp groups for fun. Um, uh, but I, do you know what? I just, I really enjoyed it. Like I, I really liked doing something different. I really enjoyed getting out there. One thing I really enjoyed was meeting other recruitment companies because I'd been in one, I'd been quite institutionalized, but I understood everything they were saying like I just got it I, got, I understood their brand and then I was able to translate that into what my mate was doing in marketing and between us we were coming up with some really cool ideas yeah. um, so people didn't definitely questioned it I think most people thought it was a fad and I'll go back to doing what I was doing my wife you know what she said the same thing she's like I thought it was ridiculous but I did also think that if you're that committed to doing something you'll do it like you'll work it out she was like You've, you've everything else you've done you've done well so you'll probably work it out um, at, at any point at any point have you ever regretted not running uh, the recruitment business and the media business parallel uh not regretting that because that would have been too much work wouldn't you i don't think you'd have we'd have done it well enough we would have been failing we'd have been average at both i've definitely had times where i've questioned what am i doing like why did i not just carry on what i was good at because one thing about marketing agencies is they don't make the money recruitment companies make. They don't, they don't, you know, I can sign a contract for 3000 pound a month for a year, but I've got to then pay for the whole team to do the work. So the margin in there is so small. Um, and you've then got loads of people doing loads of work with loads of question marks, loads of, you know, there's a lot in there that I wasn't knowledge. I, I was used to putting a contractor in that was basically profit that, you know, I'd give a call once a month, every quarter and check on them and check on them. The work I did before signing a contract was harder in recruitment. Now it's a more straightforward process. Yeah. But when you sign a contract in marketing, you then have to start the work. Yeah. And it's, it's an ongoing amount of work. It's never ending amount of work. So that took some time to get used to. And you know, when you had a, when you, when we had low days, when we got rejected and, people took the piss or whatever. Like, yeah, there was times where I was like, fuck this, let's just go back. Let's just go and do what we're good at. Mm. But then something kept saying to me, do you know what? No, I believe in this. I woke up excited about this. Like I, I, I love what I'm doing and I'm confident the industry's turning. And I remember I started the business in March, 2017. And in June, in September, August, September, LinkedIn launched the live video function. So mm. not live, the, 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 the native video function. Mm. So up until that point, you could only post a YouTube clip onto LinkedIn. And uh, that made such a difference because that was when you started to see the walking and talking videos of people. And that yeah. I remember I, my first one of them got like just under a quarter of a million views, I think, which you couldn't get that now if you try. Right. Um, but to me, it was like we got in at the right time because the industry was just turning just changing yeah. most in those early days i was on the phone for eight hours a day with recruitment owners who were just trying to work out what the hell we did and they were well, like, it, it, it's funny to say that only today right <clears throat> i was i was looking for something in my in my sent items that i'd sent to you uh, something to do with the, the academy and i stumbled across my very first email to you and i, I don't know the date. i don't know two years two and a half years ago and it was a very simple email. I said, hi, Sean, you don't know me. My name is Pete Watson, Mint Recruitment. Um, mate, forgive the ignorant question, but what exactly do you guys do? And that was mm -hmm. it. And I just left it because I'd seen you around um, and the noise was great and it was exciting, but I, I still didn't quite understand in my head um, what you guys did. And then you got one of you guys to ring me. 
And then yeah. I suppose you then embarked on, it would have been, it would have been fascinating, like a, a three, three and a half year journey of, of educating an industry of, of ignorant fools like me who just didn't, didn't get it. No, it was crazy. I mean, I mean, early on in my journey, so in, in, I think it was what, 2017, we launched in March and I hired Hishem Azuz on, in yep. May 2018. So Hishem in June 2017 asked me to be a guest writer on his blog that he did in his bedroom as a recruiter. And then he asked me to be his mentor. So he rang me up and said, look, I really like what you're doing. I want to do better in recruitment. Can you mentor me? So I used to have a weekly or bi-weekly video call on a Saturday morning with Hishem with his curly hair in his house back in 2017. And uh, again, he was an, that was another sign that there was people out there that felt, that felt the same. Like this guy had no recruitment experience really, wasn't being, was, was managed a very different way than me. So I, I, I actually coached him a lot about just doing recruitment. Like I, just, I just treated him as if he was in my team and it kept my skills up talking about it. But then I also talked to him about video content and what to produce and how to do it. He got me in and pitched his boss who turned me away. And, and then he ended up turning around to me in early 2018 saying, Look, I want to work for you. I'm prepared to take a pay cut, move to London to work for you. And I was like, fucking hell, that's big. So that was about a year after we started. We'd grown to about eight people by then, I think. And we had a, quite a lot of freelance people we were working with. We'd just signed an office in East London in Bow which was amazing, but an absolute shithole at the same time. It was like 20 minute walk from a station. It had no floor. It was, it was like sticky, this weird, it was an old warehouse they'd converted and forgot to convert half of it. The toilets didn't work. There was no toilet paper. There was no soap. Um, it was cheap, but yeah, well, mate, uh, we moved... it was at the place with the exposed brick. No, no, the, the current office got some exposed brick. The old one is just, it had no heating. It was right. massive. It had two floors. We built a podcast studio upstairs. Um, but that was so exciting. We moved there and then Hisham joined and then we started, me and him started producing video nearly every single day. And that was where the education took to another level. So we started, you know, really talking about this whole concept of personal brand and how you can, cause we, we knew it was working. Like we were putting out video content and written content daily and getting leads all the time. Like people were just going, Sean, can we find out what you're doing? Sean, can we do that? The first three months of Foxo, I just picked up the phone all day. And after that, I don't think I've ever done it since. I've never just rang a company and gone, hey, have you thought about marketing? Not once in, right. since wow. mid-2017. Because what we did was we, we had the attitude that we're going to try and help this market. We're going to try and educate and help the market. I'm going to try and help recruitment owners. I'm going to try and explain yeah. to them all this shit I'm learning and I'm, I'm, I'm get, gathering momentum with. I'm going to give them most of the knowledge for free. I'm going to give it away. Like, what do you do with the, with the aim of once they work out that that's relevant, who they're going to go to, who they're going to use. And, and I think that definitely helped. Um, It massively helped. And then 2018 was an interesting year because we hired, we then overhired. I remember we hired a lot of junior people and uh, we cocked that right up. We, we hired a lot of, load of juniors and, we just didn't have the infrastructure to train them. Not like sales, more like account managers, content writers, all these, all these guys that had, had really raw skills, but we were nowhere near good enough to train them. And wow. we didn't have the infrastructure to train them. So we ended up going up to about, I think I had 17 people in the summer of 2018 on some form of payroll running mm. around this office. It looked like a university halls at one point. And then I cut it back down to about seven in, by... Um, by November 2018 and that was where once we we made that mistake we then completely changed it's, it's mental isn't it you, you you've recruited for that many years but you lose that for yourself you kind of make really rushed decisions really rash decisions yeah. for yourself probably I probably then, a very very valuable lesson to go through so early on it, you know, it's yeah something that you and also there's, there's a there's a weird feeling when you own a business a bit like a vanity feeling when people want to work for you it's quite flattering you're like oh yeah yeah they want to work for me they like Hoxo but like when yeah, yeah. that just shouldn't mean they should get the job and yeah. and I would never have had that attitude before but anyway I think I got sucked up in that whole headcount vanity piece as well and then um, 2019 came that's when I started we we launched the podcast we launched uh, the rag and. Uh, Things are, since then, things have just gone from strength to strength, team-wise, quality of people, processes, client base. Um, it's been an amazing 
it's been an amazing journey. Hisham left last May, so after 12 months, which was really actually difficult because put a lot of time into him. But the reason he left was because he wanted to do his own thing. And I was like, you know what? I can't hold anyone back. Like, I've done that. I did the exact same thing before. He got there much faster. I mean, he's only with us a year, but yeah. smart boy. Smart, smart boy. And, 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 for- and he's doing great things, right? He's doing great things. But presumably right. you guys are good mates and you'll be good allies in the industry and, and, and continue to indirectly work with each other. Yeah. I've got nothing but good stuff. Nothing but good stuff to say about about him and the attitude the boy had. He was an animal when he came in. He just soaked up information. Really clever yeah. boy. Like the, not so much like I'm not saying like just purely academic clever, but just the way he approached everything we did and the way he soaked it up. And you know, he's, he'll 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 go on to some really really good thing. And, and do you know he's probably the best case study that I've got that you know building a brand, what yeah. it can do. Because in a year he's gone from a lad in his bedroom to building a company that's earning. He'll be earning six figures now and easy. And uh, and he's got this amazing job. He, he's just planning to fly to Australia to host events. Like he's doing some amazing things that yeah. I'm proud that we had an impact on. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we, we've moved on. Um, and coming into COVID, we were in a really strong position. Really well, strong. I mean, I mean, look, and, that, and that's the fascinating thing about your, your story, about the Hoxo Media story. You, know, you spent three, three and a half years educated and educating an industry and, and having conversations with people about in the in the recruitment industry about something that's probably absolutely alien to them but making real headway and getting real momentum and then covid happens and, yeah. and, and, and the irony is um there has never been a time um that, that's, that's been presented to us where we, where we have the ability and and, the, and the, that moment in time to focus on something like this and it's never been more important how has it changed your business well, first thing, the first thing was, unfortunately, we had to make some quick decisions. And, and there's a couple of people that we, we didn't feel like we needed in the future. Like we just, we just felt like they were, they were, we'd hired them leveraging growth and we didn't feel like the growth was there. So we had yeah. to make those calls, which was sad and dis- dis- difficult. But so we, we shedded the team down slightly. Um, we found that we had a lot of like just random costs that we didn't even, we'd accumulated like, you know, subscriptions to things and, just shit we didn't need. So we, we went through a really good exercise at the beginning to, to lower the, the cost base of the business and some really, really, really ridiculous things we've been paying for that we'd, we'd just not even noticed. Um, and then one thing as well, because we'd, I told you, we'd, we'd started hiring remote people about a year before. Mm. Uh, I don't feel like we had a really well integrated culture with the people that remote and the guys in the office. And I think one thing it's done, this, this period has brought us all actually closer because it's put us all on the same level pay, playing field. Um, and uh, it's shown some, some people have really stu- stood out in, in, in our business that have, I mean, everyone's worked their absolute nuts off. We've, we've, not, we've not furloughed anyone. We've not had any time off. Some people have had no days off. I've had no days off apart from bank holidays. Um, we've literally ran at it 100 miles an hour. Um, and it's... And it's paying off. Like we've, we've managed to retain almost all of our clients. We've, we've been signing new businesses again. Mm. We launched the Academy. We went daily on the podcast. Yeah. We've done a lot of things. I mean, the, the decision to go daily on the podcast was one, a bit like the decision to do the 75 hard challenge. I was sat there, sat there over the weekend, just gobsmacked by what had happened. But I was like, how can I help? It's always my question. I ask myself, how can I help people I care about? How do I help the recruitment community? How do I help my team? How do I help my wife? How do I help people? That's if I think if I help first, the rest will come. Yeah. And my show was getting about 6,000 monthly plays by doing an episode a week. And it was all around recruitment journeys, a bit similar to you, recruitment growth. So it was telling the story of how Harvey Nash grew or Lawrence Harvey or whatever. And I felt that's a probably not the, the most sensitive topic right now. I don't know. This week, does anyone really want to know how you built a big agency or do they want to know how the hell they're going to navigate through tough times? Mm. So I'd already been planning the rag report, which was going to be a, a Friday show about just about news, just being a more of a, you know, jovial news show, just chatting to people about what's hot, what's not trying mm. to be funny with it. Um, but we just, I decided on that Monday, I was like, well, I'm going to host the rag report now daily through lockdown. And it's going to be about how the hell we're going to navigate through COVID. Mm. And at first, that was me trying to interview everyone or anyone I could get my hands on. And I was doing three interviews a day and it was just cause we, we weren't doing, you know, we had a, we were in the business, we were focused on the business, but I kind of 
pulled myself out a bit and said, Amma, you run what's going on. You, Billy and Amma were just like in the business. And I was just going, right, get myself out into the market and work out what our customers are going through. Um, and it was incredible. Like, you know, we went from 6,000 to 10,000 plays inside four weeks. And then we've now got up to about 15,000 plays inside three months. So we've tripled the, the listener base. Um, yeah, it's crazy. And it's been intense. It's been difficult. Don't get me wrong. It's really hard. I've had to like schedule. I only record at two o'clock every day and, and I don't negotiate on that because otherwise my whole day has gone. Yeah. Sometimes, I'm, some, sometimes people let you down and they, uh, you're like, crap, I've got to get, I've got to get on, uh, I've got to get on and, and get an episode out. Um, we took, we, we got sponsorship agreed. So obviously Vincere are kind enough to sponsor both of our shows, which is yeah. wicked. Um, they've been great. Odro guys have been amazing. They, they, Actually, Ryan came on the show and then we had a chat and it just felt right. The brands are so similar. Love what they're doing. Um, and the Rise guys were one of our clients that, again, they help the same community. So having sponsors has been amazing. But going daily on the show has enabled me to get so close to the clients, so close to the industry, understand what people are going through, hopefully help people, help people. Mm -hmm. That's the whole point. Um, the interesting so, so, thing so, now, so, in, the, in, the, in the midst of all this chaos and, and doom and gloom, you've managed to, uh, to find your place again. I hope so. Yeah. But the one thing I've learned is I've learned that people are getting sick of talking about COVID though now. And yeah. it's, we are moving the conversation to some stories of previous growth and yeah. more, more interestingly, the new world, the, digi the digital world that we faced in. I, I'm genuinely interested and excited about how our industry is going to evolve now similar to what we talked about on, yeah. on my show with you, you know, what is the future of recruitment businesses? And um, from all of the episodes I've done, from all the experience I've got, I genuinely believe, not just saying it because I own a marketing agency, but I, I genuinely believe that brands are, are starting to really wake up to the fact that marketing is important. More than ever, when, when, a, when, a, when a shock comes to you like this, this, this crisis, your brand is what, what people remember your brand is what people can see when they're not on the phone your brand is yeah. what people will is, is the reason people will come back to you um because you might lose all your team you might have to scale down to three people so you haven't got the manpower to be on the phone to 100 people an hour you you've got yeah. to have other things so and and so many businesses have said to me sean we want to be so much fitter be it post lockdown so like i said i had a load of cost in my business yeah. well 70 percent of recruitment companies cost is headcount right so so many said, if we can have this brand and this content engine and automation engine helping a smaller, leaner, more experienced crop of recruiters do better, that is the vision we have now, as opposed to just hiring loads of juniors and leveraging growth that way. And so I think it's going to spit out some really interesting businesses. It's going to change some, some businesses. Um, and uh, hopefully we can, we can help be a part mm. of that. Mate, I think... Um... I think COVID has created two different types of, of recruitment beasts. I think a lot of businesses, a lot of recruiters, a lot of people, and I, I'm very happy to be honest about this, when COVID hit, um, a lot of people buried their head, head in the sands and just pulled the duvet over their heads and said, right, hopefully this will pass quickly. And I did that. I did that for a couple of weeks. I'm you know, not embarrassed to admit that at all. And then once you pull the duvet or Duna, as they call it in Australia, oh, yeah, you, know, you think, right, okay, how, how, can I be, how can I be match fit? How can I use this to my advantage? So what would your message be to businesses who are still slightly under the Duna um, and aren't, they don't have any kind of online marketing campaign or, or strategy or presence? What should they be doing? And this is not just you necessarily plugging Hoxo Media, but of course, let's do that as well. But what should they be doing? What should they be thinking about if they're not yeah. doing anything well, at all? Well, I think, look, one of, the, one of the biggest things about today's market is budgets are going to be low, right? People aren't going to want to spend a fortune on things that, in general, especially things they've never done because there's always a risk in there. So there's some really cool things that people can do themselves. And one thing is invest in their education. So like the Academy program I launched, there's lots of other ways out there apart from that. But the Academy program is fundamentally an education program for recruitment owners to learn from me over a 16 week period, how to build their own content, how to produce their own stuff 
that mm. gets engagement, that, that drives business effectively. Yeah. I've done it. I've taken three years of learning. I've done some great things. I've done some shit things. But one thing I've done is I've documented it and I've worked out what's worked, what doesn't work, how LinkedIn operates, like the platform. And everyone's going to be slightly different, but there are some fundamental things that everyone can follow. A bit mm. like going, you know, everyone's body's different. Everyone, you know, some people are gluten intolerant, some people are lactose intolerant, but on the whole, if you eat a certain amount of calories and you train it, I mean, everyone will go through a similar thing. So there's some fundamental almost KPIs and, and ideas you can approach to being successful. Mm. So educating yourself on that for a, a low cost. So it's, I mean, you could probably find most of it on, on the line but if you want it to be tailored around the recruitment market specifically for owners then, then let of course I, I can help um but then the, the the second thing i would say is when you are going out to market in 2020 2021 you do need to have a content plan a strategy because you you simply have to look at the way people operate daily you have to look at the way people do like we are now on a zoom call having a conversation across the globe that we will distribute digitally all right. That's how we're going to trade. That's how I trade with all clients now. That's how we operate. That's how you buy your shopping via Sainsbury's online or Coles online. You, you go to Amazon every day. You go on Netflix. Everything we do is digital trading. It is. It's going that way. So why wouldn't your processes and your, your business strategy go that way too? And if you're simply thinking about what you did in 1999, that's the world has moved on. I'm not saying it doesn't work. The world has moved on. It alarms me how many recruitment businesses still believe the best way to work is the old school way. Do you think, in your opinion, do you think a recruiter can be successful today without any kind of online social media, LinkedIn? I think, I, think they, I think they can. I think they can, but with limitations. So yeah. if you think about it, like, of course, you can pick up the phone, you can get all the contacts, you can you've got to go on LinkedIn to look at candidates or your database and ring them up. Like you can, you, I'm not saying the old school method does not work. I think that's the reason people haven't fucking invested earlier because it does work. They can make a lot of money. Yeah. There's a lot of agencies that do jack shit online and they make a lot of money. But are you trying to make money today? Or are you trying to build a business that's set for the future? Are you thinking two, three, four, five years down the line? Cause it's like saying your bank account today can afford the food in your or that you can afford the, the, the expenses and the lifestyle you need in June 2020. But if you are a sensible human who wants to live a better life in five years, you need to think about your, your financial strategy to save cash, invest cash, so that you're in a much better place then. If you only ever live month by month, you'll only ever be month by month. Mm. So it's the same sort of mindset. I think if you operate how it, the world is today only, then I think you're in dangerous territory. Like you will, it will get harder and harder and, and people will beat you. People will, will, I know people that have only done recruitment a couple of years, but the amount of content they've produced and the branding they've got, they're, they're billing money that people would not have done the old school way. They wouldn't have done it. So I actually think the answer is a, is a combination of the two. So if you can spend 30 minutes to an hour a day on your brand, on content, and the rest are doing what you've always done, you'll win. Mm. And slowly you'll see the time that you put into content and marketing and the time you bang on the phone will start to go the other way. Like me now, I don't pick up the phone anymore. It's all inbound digital inquiries, video calls based on the content we produce as opposed mm. to, you know, doing a bit of content, but then getting on the phone and doing all the outbound stuff. So the combination is the, the, the strategies in the two. The big thing I think you've got to think about as well is if you're a recruitment owner, if you've got people, you need your people to be doing the same thing. Mm. Like the compound effect of an agency having multiple people with a similar mindset online, it's like all going on the football pitch and playing a similar way. Mm. You know, you can't have one amazing player and the rest are just shite, overweight and slow. You ain't going to win a game that way. So if you're, if you're thinking, I want to be the owner and leader of this company and I'm going to be digital savvy content first, but all my recruiters are just going to sit in the corner and bang the phone, that won't work either. You need, it needs to be a fully integrated plan so everyone goes right my job is connecting with people on linkedin daily engaging with people on linkedin that means commenting on on social posts that means mm. liking people's social posts the amount of people that say to me sean how do i get engagement on my linkedin and i say how much do you engage with other people and they go what do you mean i'm like well 
on an average day, how yeah. many times do you write, like, comment on other people's stuff? Yeah, I'm not great Next at that. Ne- Next to never. All right, mm-hmm. great. Well, why do you expect them to do it for you? Yeah, like, yeah. What do you mean? Well, my content will be good. I'm like, yeah, well, hopefully it will be. But also, the land of um, reciprocal behavior says the more you engage with other people, the more the fucking you're going to engage back. And yeah. it's a game. It's a game of tennis. Knock the ball over the net, get it back, knock it over, get, bam, bam, bam. Do you know what I mean? You can't play tennis without someone knocking it back. So you, you've got to think daily, are your recruitment teams and yourself, are you thinking about putting up one social post that's adding value, that's designed to help people, not saying I've got a job? Are you liking and commenting at least, well, I always say like 10 people's and f- comment on five? Um, and are you clear on the strategy the target audience you want to talk to because as a recruiter, I've done it. You can reactively work on any job. I could be given a .NET developer one day and a project manager the next, and I can go out there and find the talent. That's fine. But if we're saying from a marketing perspective, I want to build a brand. You have to hone in on a, on a target type of person because what appeals to a project manager and a marketer and a, and a marketer or a, or a .NET developer is totally different. Mm-hmm. So, by having a consistency in your approach online that's designed to hit a certain type of person, that will bring the opportunities through that will lead to the other things. Um, so brand needs to be super niche, consistent, and you've got to look long-term. If you're looking just today, I'm too busy, then you'll never do it. So mate, let's, let's, let's talk about the world beyond COVID. What are the, what's the big pitch, picture plans for Hoxo Media? What does global domination look like for you? Yeah, it's been, you know what, I think we've always been quite, um, quite clear that we wanted to really get to get to grips with the UK first. Like we didn't want to run before we could walk. So we, uh, we're doing really well over here. And I think the plan is to, to really grow the, grow the function and, and, and have, uh, get to a certain level of clients in the UK, but Australia hundred percent on the agenda. Um, the U S will definitely be on the agenda. I think the, the fact is recruitment globally, like looking at my academy today, I've had you in Australia, I've had a guy in Singapore, uh, another guy in Sydney, um, I've had yesterday a guy in Bangkok, like people living on the West Coast, people on the East Coast of America. Yeah. Like majority are actually British, <laughs> not all of them, but majority are Brits that have gone out with recruitment companies. But the point is the industry is actually really similar in each of those locations and branding is going to be more important in each region. So there is a need for what we're doing in each of those locations. It's just about the age old problem of finding the right people, having the right process. Yeah. So we are definitely going to expand globally Um, and the Academy as well. So at the moment, the Academy is for recruitment owners, but in the next four weeks, the plan is to launch the agency uh, consultant level Academy. So, you know, that bit I just said, we can train you, but if you've got 50 people, we can also start training them yeah. because it's, that's then, you know, it's, it's an L and D, it's an L and D strategy because not every recruitment company wants us to manage their brand. Our agency is a managed service. We are the marketing department for the agency. Yeah. Whereas Hoxo Academy is the done for you, is the, is the DIY, the training program. So some people will want both. But yeah. many have said, you know, we've got an internal person. Well, cool. Well, let's train them up. Let's give them the, the knowledge yeah. we've got. Let's get, as long as the industry's moving forward, we're adding value. And I, and I, and I probably shouldn't say this. I'm probably shooting myself in the foot, but it's pretty cost effective. It's not going to cost uh, these people an arm and a leg, is it? No, the academy, the current pricing strategy for the, the owner academy is, I think, compared to some other products that are out there, it's really reasonable. So we charge in, worked out £1,200 for a four-month project. Um, yeah. And that's if you pay it up front. If not, it's slightly, it's £100 a week if you pay it uh, on a monthly basis. But um, we've already had, like yesterday, or Tuesday when I had my, my academy calls, one of the ladies in the first month has just, just done a 10K fee off the back of one of the wow. posts I helped with, which generated candidates and, you know, jobs get called in. Guy, one guy, Mark Thomas, I'm just going to, I'm just going to, he messaged me on Facebook last night. Hang on. This guy is really, the one thing about the academy is, you know, you're only going to get out what you put in. And it sounds ridiculous, but there are a few people that, you know, they're, they're, they're listening and they're learning, but they're not, they're probably not doing as much. Whereas this guy, Mark Thomas, who works for a company called Eames, has worked, he's absolute nuts off. And he messaged me last night, mate, today I got two, co- two roles called in by a guy who I've known for a while, but mentioned he'd seen all my stuff on LinkedIn and I've been doing some great stuff online. Both roles are 100K positions exclusive. There you so, go. 
that I mean, that's it. And he, Working. he got fifty-three. He got fifty-three thousand views on a post last week. I mean, how long would it take really? to phone fifty-three thousand people? Yeah, that's mad. It's a guy who did nothing before as well. It's not like when he he was he was advanced. He was doing nothing, but he knew he needed to do it. Yeah. Well, mate, I'm a fan. I'm a, I'm a believer. I'm on board. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll spread the message uh, in Australia as, as much as I possibly can. Mate, thank you. Thank you so much for, for your time and, and telling us about your journey. It's, uh, it's an interesting one. Mm, it's different. but uh, It's very I, uh, different. Yeah, I hope. Uh, look, I, if anyone wants to reach out and ask any questions as well, let, please do. I'll, I'll always get back to you. It might take me a day or so. Um, but cheers for this, Pete. It's nice to be on the other side. You were, you were a great guest of mine, so hopefully I'll, I've offered some value back to your audience. No, mate, absolutely. Uh, but I, I, am, I am interested to look at the clock. It's 10 past nine. You said you were only going to talk for 45 minutes. I don't, I don't think you could talk for only 45 minutes. John? No, I don't, think I'm, I don't think I'm capable of it. Yeah, but mate, it was all good stuff. Mate, thank you so much for being involved. And uh, I'm no doubt we'll speak again soon. I look forward to seeing you at the Academy next week. My pleasure. Cheers, bud. Cheers, pal. All the best. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Recruitment Journeys podcast. Really hope you enjoyed it. Now, while we're passionate about bringing inspirational recruitment stories to our network via this podcast series, Recruitment to Recruitment is our bread and butter and our day job. So if you are a recruiter thinking about your next career chapter or your recruitment journey, see what I did there? We're always keen to have a confidential discussion with recruiters about what's going on in the market. So please feel free to contact me in the strictest of confidence on 0432 666 or email me at Pete at mintrecruitmentgroup.com. Thank you so much for listening and please watch out for our next inspirational podcast interview coming very soon. Mm-hmm.